recording again. This is take number two of the Pros. program. Pros. Everyone knows you always throw away the first take. That's Everyone right. knows that. Always. Every every single time. Right. Here we go in a three, two, one. This is Unfiltered, episode 283, recorded on Wednesday, June 6th, 2018. Unfilter audience out there, this is episode 283 of the Unfilter program, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. And joining us this week from some undisclosed location from Parts Unknown, Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Hey, buddy. It's new territory. I am discovering it now. I think I'm going to name it Austin. I'm going to name it Austin, Austin Texas. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's new. You've never heard of it before, but it's. I think it's going to be big. I think people are going to really like it. Yeah, I made it, man. I made it all the way down. That's a long like, drive. Something like 2,700 miles, 58 hours of driving, and 102 degrees temperature. I am here doing Unfiltered Live for the first time ever from Austin, Texas. Now, what people don't maybe are, are, are awesome audience, they understand. And if you're tuning in for the first time, typically Chris and I, are staring at each other. You know, I, I go over to JB1, our main studio. We're looking at each other. But for the past three weeks, we have been doing a on-the-road thing, and it's been working out incredibly well. Thanks to producer Matt and yourself and our entire community. Uh, and you, buddy. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. By the way, uh, before we even get into any of the meat and potatoes, I want to give a uh, huge props, and we're going to dedicate this show uh, to all the men and women who supported and also fought and have passed on uh, during D-Day. Uh, to today is the day of D-Day when uh, America, as long, uh, along with uh, Canadian forces and many other countries, stormed the beaches at Normandy and uh, went into Europe uh, to free Europe from the Nazis. Uh, and so we want to dedicate this to you guys. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I think it's kind of awesome that we're doing a show, and our first show from Austin, Texas, on that day, I woke up this morning and uh, that was not the first thing on my mind. So I actually really appreciate you reminding us because it has been a crazy day and it's easy to kind of forget about that a little bit. Yeah, no, it, and, it, and it definitely puts it in perspective. I mean, I, I've, I've heard and you know, they say that this is the most important day of of our world, uh, of our modern world, because, you know, if I mean, you've always seen those movies or you've played those video games, the old what if scenario where what if that didn't happen or you remember or, or that episode changed, or... of enterprise that was extremely unsatisfactory where they at the end of <laughs> yes. the zindi arc oh i don't want to spoil it yeah actually. yeah never yeah, mind spoiler alert <laughs> yeah just in I, case i said too much already yes but i do know what you mean yeah um so yeah, we got a, a we got a great show though we got a great show packed <laughs> huge show huge huge, huge show 
really tried to we try to condense it down to the things you really need to know this week. I want to just share a roadshow anecdote because we've only got oh. uh, maybe one more of these roadshows left. These I'm not quite fun, sure what the, the math way. works these out to great. be. These have been great. I've enjoyed them. They've been fun. Hopefully, yeah. you guys have been liking them too. Yeah. So this. So I thought let's. So this might be second to last roadshow, and let's share an anecdote. So this morning. Um, well, actually, it really started late last night. We drove really hard after I got done with Linux Unplugged. We drove until, until about midnight, which is just kind of challenging for me because I, I get kind of sleepy after about 10 o'clock. But, you know, we had the music going and I had I had caffeine. And so I drove till about 1230. We got to what, what Texas calls a rest stop, buddy. Let me tell you something. One of the underappreciated things about the Pacific Northwest and California to a degree is their rest stops. Yeah, they're good. I, 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 yeah, we have gorgeous rest stops. We yeah. have beautiful rest stops with lots of space for trucks and cars, RV dumps. The East Coast has uh, has something that's kind of like a rest stop, but it's also like a it's like a shopping mall, commercial center too. Like they have their own thing going on. But in the Pacific Northwest, we have these beautiful shaded rest stops that you can sleep at for eight hours, and it's loud because there's truckers around. Yep. But it's nice in Texas. They have strips of cement along the side of the road, and everybody just kind of parallel parks. What? And Yeah. And this morning, around 5 a.m., a trucker in a, just a white, generic, uh, you know, commercial truck yeah. was backing in behind Lady Jupes to, um, to, uh, to parallel park behind us to sleep or whatever he's done for the night. And he clipped our awning, which was in, but he just <gasps> clipped the bar oh. and, and bent it out. And so it shot up and it like because it's spring loaded and of course it shoots out into the air. Wow. Well, I get up, I get up at 6 a.m. because this thing wakes me up and I'm like, you know, so I do some unfilter work. That's the first thing I do when I wake up. I do some unfilter work and I'm like, I don't I but I don't know what's happened. I just got woken up, but I don't know. I don't know anything's happened. So about an hour goes by. I get done doing my morning work and I start driving down the road. And this rest stop is lined with semi trucks along both sides because everybody's parallel parking. Right. And it's just a strip of cement. Yeah. And as I'm driving past, I'm close, but I'm not touching another truck. And I'm and I'm uh, and I'm as I'm going past him, all of a sudden I start hearing <laughs> dragging. And Hadia's sleeping, but she jumps out of bed. What was that? What was that? Did we hit something? I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, no. There's there's six feet between me and that vehicle. I haven't hit anything. And I look in my mirror and I see my awning bar on uh, <gasps> on the the right awning oh. bar is sticking out and it's slicing oh. that truck. Well, I'm pretty positive that that's the truck that backed into me because once that happened, he took off. He just took off. I bet like, he I, did. And I like I didn't have I didn't know I could I didn't I didn't have a chance to talk to him or anything, and I had to pull over on the on-ramp. This is our last haul. This oh, is our last 180 miles after 2500 2800 miles. This is the last 180. Oh. We've driven through thunderstorms. We had hail the size of golf balls. We had 60 mile per hour winds. We've made it through all of the passes, and then in the last 180 miles, we get sideswiped by a trucker who takes off. Uh, so I ended up zip tying the thing back together, oh. and and you know just basically hauled down here. You don't have a You'll dash cam or anything, do you? Not of the side. No, I do have a dash cam, but not of the side of the uh. RV where he hit me because it was a long. You know, it was it was 15, yeah. 20 feet down yeah, the side yeah, of the RV. Right. Um, uh, but you know, so I got it, I got it just kind of like, ha, ha, it took me about 45 minutes, but I got it kind of put back together. We got down here, but the thing that really kind of sucks is first of all, it's going to be like a $300 repair because it, it's a, yeah. they're going to have to replace the whole pole and right. the mounts. And it includes a motor for the awning to go out. There's a motor on each pole. 
So it's going to be like a $300 repair plus the guy's time, which I don't have the money for that. Right. And the other thing that sucks about it is that awning is my shade strategy for Texas. I, I shade that side of my RV with the awning because that's the side that my fridge is on. So my fridge runs less, so I use less batteries, and the RV stays cooler, and now I don't have that awning. So that's also a big, that's a big bummer. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I, I just, you know what, I just fixed it. I just got back on the road, and I got down here. We got the AC running, so you may hear air conditioning a little bit in the background, but that's just to kind of make up for some of the heat. Uh, and I'll just get, I'll take care of it. You know, I may, when I, when I get done with Texas Linux Fest, I may just, like, get, like, an RV on-site repair guy, and I'll just get it taken care of. It's one of those things that's manageable, but it's just that last bit of the stretch. You know, it happens. Right. But thankfully, nobody was hurt. Yes. No other damage was done to the RV, and there's no, like, big insurance thing or anything like that. In some ways, I'm almost glad he took off. So, all in all, it's manageable. You know what I mean? And when we're here, and we're ready to do a show. You're, and you're safe and sound. You're, you're broadcasting live from, from the great state of Texas, and... And I'm not stuff. the only one traveling around today. Uh, so no. uh, President Trump is in Texas right now. Yeah. And your good buddy. My friend. Bill Clinton yes. is out. Yes. He's selling a new book. And this new book is all about how cybersecurity could be our weak link in the United States. And Bill uh, Clinton's warning us all right now. ASL Bill? What happens <laughs> in the book is a terrorist threat, a cyber threat. That doesn't give anything away. Um, is it a threat without giving away details a threat that is realistic, uh, do you think, President Clinton? I think it's concerning. 100%. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, with every advance in information technology and the prospect of the combination of nanotechnology, robotics, all the stuff that's already been done in drones, I mean, this whole thing is going to just continue to mutate and what can be done to threaten systems which are increasingly dependent on IT. So there's almost no aspect of our national life that cannot be wrecked by this. And today, uh, while there have been significant gains made in cybersecurity, it's not really keeping up with the advances in cyber warfare. And so I think that it, you know, one of the things I hope will happen is people say we, sh we should really do more on this. Is, is that code, you know, by the way, Chris, yeah. for mm -hmm. to, to spend more money? Is that, is that, is that code for that? Because that's what I hear. Well, we need to do more, so spend more. How perfect is this? So Bill Clinton is struggling for relevancy uh, post-Hillary Clinton election failure. He's been really quiet. This is really the first time he's surfaced in a while in a big way. And it's this book tour that he co-authored. And what I find to be striking about this is he was given the runaround. He's a former president of the United States, and the media went after him on Monica Lewinsky. In oh, yeah. several interviews when he was there to sell the book, they went after him about a hashtag Me Too. The Me Too thing, they went yeah. after, yeah, about Monica Lewinsky, if he did the right thing, if he should apologize. Like, it's like the cachet of Bill Clinton has faded. And so I think he very astutely has recognized this political weakness that they currently have. I mean, Bill Clinton made a mistake, dude. He let go of power. At some point, the Clintons lost power, and now they're screwed. But if Bill Clinton can put his name on cyber, well, that's why we have a dedicated cyber segment on the show. It's the biggest moneymaker of the decade. It's the next military-industrial complex, and Bill Clinton can ride that train. Well, do you, do you think... Here's another angle to think about this, though. I mean, obviously, you got Al Gore, okay, running the championship of climate change and green and all that. While meanwhile, while he's 
flying through the air in his you know private jets and multi million dollar mansions. Uh, is this Bill Clinton's uh, initiative? I mean, obviously, you know he he can't do the green stuff because that's what Al Gore's doing. Exactly. So he's picking you, IT. That's exactly exactly. You put it and you you gave a you gave a great comparison, a great analog. It is the Al Gore analog, and and his brand is so on point because he's been kind of a forward thinking president when it came to technology. I mean, if you take his time into consideration, and he was around for the dot com boom and. And the perfect censure is Hillary was hacked. The DNC was hacked. His wife lost the election because of a hack. And so now he can say he has a personal motivation. And it's just the perfect brand censure. So this is exactly what it is. And this book is him laying down his flag. He's, or pla- I should say, planting that flag. Right. And I, I don't know. Maybe we could play a little more if you want. But yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a great, great position for Bill. I don't think it's going to work, but yeah, continue on. Yeah, not really keeping up with the advances in cyber warfare, and so I think that it, you know, one of the things I hope will happen is people say we sh- we should really do more on this. Are we responding enough? Do you think to the threat of foreign meddling in our elections? The cyber attack on our elections is a security threat because one of uh, the goal of of the, any authoritarian government is to create total disillusionment and discord in the electorate if they have democracies and to completely abolish the line between fact and fiction, truth and lie. Because if they do that, then the voters can't possibly know whether they're making a good decision or not. So it's one step from there to just packing in. Is it hard in this day and age to write Washington fiction because Washington reality is so jaw-dropping you wake right, up in the okay. morning and you okay. think right. i just love that question yeah it's like the house of cards question right. uh, only they just rephrase it in different ways yeah now there's a particular story when it comes to cybersecurity that we've followed for a while and it spun up during the elections yes and that was when the department of homeland security was doing sort of weak penetrate penetration testing essentially checking ports trying to do some basic database logins but it really started this conversation about securing local elections securing local databases, and election, quote-unquote, hacking. And that's a phenomenon that your good buddies... My friends. ...over at CrowdStrike are going to just completely capitalize on. Uh, CrowdStrike CEO goes on Bloomberg to uh, essentially say, hey, if you have federal funding to spend, we'll help you spend it. (laughs) Again, like I said, let me plug uh, Chris and uh, Chase uh, Cybersecurity uh, Consulting Group LLC is at your service. Being hacked, even just the threat of a cyber attack is enough to keep companies and customers up at night. Take, for example, the Bank of England, where a new internal watchdog report has identified cyber attacks as a major risk that could lead to the demise of the institution. And on this side of the Atlantic, a new U.S. State Department report that says the government needs to overhaul its strategies for stopping cyber attacks. That's coupled with concerns that U.S. elections are increasingly at risk in the current primaries and ahead of November's midterm elections. For more on this and the state of cybersecurity around the world, I want to get to Bloomberg's Caroline Hyde in London with a special guest. Caroline? All right. So she said a couple of things in here that I noticed. Increasing risk, the primaries, uh, at risk of hack. Let's play a little bit of this interview that they're about to have, and then we'll discuss. All right. Yes, yeah, special guest Emily is none other than George Kurtz. He is the CEO of CrowdStrike, which is helping analyze all these threats, that, whether it's governments, whether it's electoral systems, indeed whether it's banks that are exposed. Talk to us first about U.S. elections, the midterms, November. 
What sort of threats are you seeing ahead of that and, and, and where are the actors coming from? Well, when we think about the electoral process, um, they're highly targeted from actors around the globe. Uh, whether it's any of the major countries, uh, certainly Russia's been active in the past. Um, and I think what most people need to be concerned about is protecting that process and making sure that the results aren't skewed, whether it's electronic results or whether it's even um, kind of skewing what people think about the electoral process and who they're voting okay. for. And we've seen a lot right. of that. So he just said two really, really, really different things. So the first thing he just said there at the end is what people think about elections. That is a reference to Facebook ads, which was a total bust. And then the other thing he said, and he's this is now the reason why this matters is this is the CEO of CrowdStrike. So these details matter. He says the people are worried about the elections being hacked or the results being changed. But if you go back with the actual compromise that happened, the only compromises that did happen is that voter registration databases, your name, your address, you know, all the stuff people need to rip off your identity, that's what was compromised because they didn't even change the default password on their MongoDB databases. Uh, well, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And Or it might not have been MongoDB, but it was essentially default username and password right. on the database. And so somebody logged in and they just downloaded everything. Right, not even And it includes labels. voter registration yeah. information. But right. that is a different system than the vote. The vote is a paper tabulated system. It is completely disconnected from the voter registration database. So we, we were never at risk of the vote being compromised. We were at risk of, once again, your personal information in certain states being leaked, which happens way I mean, too often. Can you call it a hack when uh, username and passwords aren't changed from default? I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's not really hacking. It's just like, oh, well, they didn't change the password. You know, it's yeah, so like I'm, I'm done with this guy. We yeah. can we can be done with the CEO. Fair he's enough. you know, he's obviously just playing to the narrative. He sh he better know better yeah. or else they're screwed. But uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't tasty, tasty federal monies More and money. state monies to spend on cyber. Yep, that's right. Florida's getting in a lot of money. A campaign wow. 2018 Florida is going to get a 19 million dollar federal grant aimed at protecting the state's election systems from cyber attack ahead of the November elections. Governor Rick Scott ordered the state to apply for the money. It's part of a national election protection program President Trump approved in March. There was an effort to infiltrate the state's election systems ahead of the 2016 elections. But what are you talking mm. about? I, I thought that didn't happen. I, I thought <laughs> I thought we were safe and everything was good. I guess I was wrong. Got to spend that money. Got to spend that cyber money. I bet the DHS is going to be happy to help them do that, too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, over the years, we've been ramping up the rhetoric against Russia. And then once Trump came into office, a lot of sanctions have actually gone into effect. And uh, Russia's really, it, since before Trump got elected until after, really not responded. I mean, they've said they've said well, things and they've said, I, oh, this is horrible. Well, I thought it was, Chris, because like, wasn't it Nikki Haley in the U.N. said, yeah, these these things are going to go in. And then literally the next day or two days later, the White House uh, comes back. Yeah, and that says, happened. But yeah. again, like that was but that was like six sanctions out of like 30 sanctions <laughs> right. that have gone into effect. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's yeah. But 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 it was like, what, 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 at what point does Russia respond? Like, when are they going to do something? And or act like what I love doing about <laughs> yeah, well, well, so so picture Putin. Like Putin just says, "Like now it's time to respond," and he just like he just does he just waves his magic Putin finger, and the government lines up, and they've now passed a law to basically give him unilateral decisions to respond to to Trump. Take oh, a listen. Wow. President Putin has signed into law countermeasures that will allow Russia to retaliate against any sanctions put on Moscow. Correspondent Ilya Petrenko has been going over the paperwork for us.
By signing this bill into law, Vladimir Putin has basically given himself freedom of maneuver for hitting back at countries that are hostile to Moscow. So if someone chooses to punish Russia, Russian companies, possibly Russian individuals, that's something that we've seen many times in recent years. Think the U.S., first of all. All the Russian president has to do now is say, we are responding, name specific countries and entities and then the countermeasures will immediately enter into force. Among the countermeasures that are available for the Russian government are the severing of ties with states and companies and also import and export bans. Target industry sectors, though, haven't been specified. But as the legislation was drafted, we heard about such sectors as nuclear power, agriculture, pharmaceuticals, space and aviation, alcohol and tobacco. You know, industry. the basics. Nothing yeah, nothing. No, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just everything. Yeah. So I don't really know because I feel like this, uh, the, the, uh, the, the bigger picture, like the elephant in the room to this story is the Iran nuke deal. Right. Because uh, it, this all involves Russia, the relationship with the EU and Iran and Syria. And I think that's you, you have to consider. Fuck the EU. You have to consider at least. <laughs> At least the European angle on this. So uh, you have to look at the bigger picture, what, where, where Russia makes their money, who is in bed with Russia, whose economy is dependent on Russia. And that's where Austria is uh, kind of interesting. Take a listen to this one. There is a wind of change blowing through Europe, or perhaps just a breeze. But on the eve of Vladimir Putin's visit here to Vienna, the Austrian vice chancellor comes out and calls for an end to sanctions. The sanctions have damaged our Austrian economy above all else, and I've always warned against pushing Russia into the arms of China. It's high time to end these painful sanctions and normalize political and economic relations with Russia. Not exactly shocking, not these days. Not after the Austrian chancellor himself came out and called the US unreliable. In that regard, making up with Russia might counterbalance things. You know what it feels like to me a little bit here, Chris? It's like, uh, you know, you're having a hard time with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and <laughs> and you're being... So you start flirting with somebody else to no, make no, jelly? No, you no, get, you get pushed into the arms of an ex. Oh, yeah, 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 I do. I do think that's, I think that's going to, I think we're going to push a lot of people into the arms of Russia, China, uh, India, and Iran. I think that is, I think a lot of our actions, that is the net result. It's, it's very, very frustrating. Why don't we shift gears while we're talking about Russia Let's talk about the Mueller probe. Bob ha- is continues on, and there was a new detail about the G- Fusion GPS co-founder. You remember your buddy, the Fusion GPS co-founder? Yeah. Oh, uh, what's his name? Oh, God. He has an ankle bracelet. Uh, he's trying to pay yeah, off people right. and doing Snapchat. Yeah. Oh, 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 uh, what's that guy's he's name? Gonna, turns out you're about to find out, and uh, he's being accused <laughs> of misleading Congress. What? And the Republican chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee also leveling some new Ho- and serious on, allegations Chris, tonight. Mm-hmm, first, mm-hmm. Off, first off, uh, yeah. uh, the audience must know here, we got Catherine nope, Harris. No problem. I'm sorry. Why are you I, spoiling I, this for I, me? 
I mean, do, would you would you like me to like just say maybe? I just feel like no, if it's you, too late now. It's too late. You can't take I know. that back. I mean, maybe I'm wrong though, because look at her arm placement. Maybe I forgot. I do watch uh, a lot of clips. In a- all, right, all right. Last night, writing to a Senate Democrat, Chairman Chuck Grassley questioned the accuracy of testimony given by the co-founder of the firm behind the Trump dossier. In August, Fusion GPS co-founder Glenn Simpson told Senate investigators that his firm's work on the Trump dossier ended in November 2016. Grassley writes, "Quote that was extremely misleading, if not an outright lie." Contrary to Mr. Simpson's denial in the staff interview, according to the FBI and others, Fusion actually did continue Trump dossier work for a new client after the election. That new client was Daniel Jones, a former staffer for Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein. According to Grassley, Jones and his firm hired Simpson to continue the Russia research so that it could be shared with Capitol Hill, the FBI and the media after the election. Neither Jones nor Simpson responded to Fox's questions today. Grassley said their statements are covered by the federal statute that makes it a crime to lie to federal investigators brett what about so all isn't the... that interesting yeah wow feinstein helped uh, finance the uh, wrap it all up so that way they could use it as a political weapon well well to be fair chris you know everybody's lying in front of congress these days i mean everybody right so it's, it's funny that feinstein ends up in the middle of this. i know I mean, yeah, right. time hillary ally i wish we would have I, I feel like we could have red booked this if we would have thought about it for a hot minute we could have called that we probably because yeah. that seems like that was coming um paul manafort uh turns out maybe was doing some quote-unquote encrypted messaging with potential witnesses what breaking news tonight nbc news has obtained a new court filing from robert Mueller's investigators asking a court to revoke paul manafort's pre-trial release saying that president trump's former campaign chairman attempted to tamper with potential witnesses the court filing states that paul manafort called texted and sent encrypted messages to two witnesses in February, quote, in an effort to secure materially false testimony. This outreach apparently occurred following the public disclosure of her superseding indictment of Manafort. Federal prosecutors are now asking for a hearing to discuss the allegations brought forth by the FBI tonight and to see whether the court's release order should be revoked or revised. Joining us now, Mimi Roca, former federal prosecutor. All right. So, Chris, so, so you know how he was caught? I read into this, and it's... it's oh, 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 Paul? Oh, Paul, you know, remind me. Refresh okay. me. I probably okay. do, but give me a, give me a right. refresher. So so we've we've talked about Telegram uh, on this show before, also Snapchat. Uh, a lot of the stuff he was doing was on Snapchat, and I didn't realize Snapchat can do this, or maybe it's something with iOS, because I don't have an iPhone, is he had his Snapchat and other messages synchronizing with his iCloud account. No way. Yeah. No way. Way. Wait a minute. They, they just added they just added no, that can't be. They just added message synchronization uh just recently. Right. Well, I mean, I know they're going back to February, but this is something that mm. he's been doing. And yeah. they they already so, ha- so like on one of his machines, his, his messages were being duplicated on another machine. Like yeah, right. And he had, they were, were okay. synchron backing up to his iCloud account, and they already okay. had a search warrant for his iCloud account. Oh. Now, and then I ask you the second question, the follow-up to that is, is this something an innocent person does? What's that? Oh, trying to get witnesses to uh, basically no, lie. No, 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 I thought you were going to say, I thought you meant use iMessage. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, this is damning. This is, this is This is real shady, yeah. and uh, it's super juicy because yes, uh, it is. it's the exact kind of hustling you would expect uh, from Manafort. He looks like such a gangster. <laughs> now, uh, the, the funny thing is the other side is also looking really bad. So yeah. 
it, it really is just it's 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 just turtles all the way down, Chase. Oh, it, it's 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 both sides are crap and liars. Uh, Fox News is working to independently confirm that report that the inspector general did find evidence that former FBI director James Comey was found to be insubordinate and went outside the chain of command. Based on our ongoing reporting, we understand one of the primary episodes the inspector general was investigating was his decision in July of 2016. You see the event here, or you did just a moment ago, to publicly announce the findings of the FBI investigation that used the code acronym MYE, or Mid-Year Exam, and that he was recommending against criminal charges. That's the key development there, because typically that decision would be under the purview of the Attorney General Loretta Lynch, but that was a responsibility that Dir- Director Comey took upon himself. Also, you remember that time that Loretta Lynch Fox met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac? Yeah, that's right. Remember, they were just oh, talking prop. about oh, grandkids. Oh, oh prop watch. <laughs> oh, she has a prop. I just, oh. I was clicking All right, off. Sorry, All back right, it up. Yeah, I did yeah, not yeah. mean to interrupt the prop. Yeah, I completely no, sorry, forgot sorry, there was we, a prop we, in this we will, uh, Here we go, guys. Here's your prop watch. The Attorney General Loretta Lynch, but that was a responsibility that Dir- Director Comey took upon himself. Also, in a separate development, Fox News has obtained these congressional letters. Boom. There you go. There's the letters. Man, uh, she does it. I think she does it better than anyone else in the biz. She, Do you agree? Well, absolutely. She's ready we for it every time. We watch a lot of news, Chase. Who else, who else holds a prop like Catherine Heritage? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, nobody right, touches her. On. Yeah, yeah. Nobody touches her. I, I was going to say, by the way, you know, this this kind of thing with, with Comey, I'm just like, oh, my God. Just both sides. Just knock it off already. Can we just return yeah. back to general order or something? This show, the former yeah. FBI deputy director, Andrew McCabe, who worked directly for James Comey, wants a special status if he testifies before the Senate Judiciary Committee later this month about that same inspector general's report. This special status is called use immunity, and under those conditions, McCabe's testimony cannot be used against him in a criminal prosecution. That matters because the inspector general found that McCabe lied under oath and there was a criminal referral to the U.S. attorney here in Washington, D.C. for potential violations of 18 U.S.C. 1001. That's lying to federal investigators. This morning, a senior Senate Republican who sits on the Judiciary Committee recommended against a deal to secure McCabe's testimony. We really need to get to the bottom of what happened at the FBI uh, during the Comey years where apparently there was misconduct going on, which I think has really impugned the reputation of the finest law enforcement agency in the world. And, All right. Um, so it, it, this, if the Democrats, if the Democrats sweep, this thing goes away. If the Republicans somehow retain, then this thing continues on. That's my red book prediction right there. So this, this whole, this whole hubbub about what uh, about if Comey uh, was stepping outside the bounds and all of that goes away if the Republicans don't win. Do you agree? You know, it, it. yeah, you're probably right. I mean, this is one of those situations where, first off, I want a full investigation on on this. I really do, because I, I think we've had enough bickering back and forth about Trump, Russia, McCabe, Comey, all of these guys, and I swear, I mean, someone, I mean, you know, enough with the investigations, okay? It, it, it feels more, pol- <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. it feels like more political theater. Now, I understand, like, with Mueller, a lot of that stuff is th- being thorough because, and, I, and I've said this to some of my colleagues, with with Mueller, he gets one shot, 
And if he blows his shot or if he messes up his investigation or whatever the case may be, that's it. I mean, it's done, right? So he's got to be thorough, and that's why it's taking so long. And these kind of investigations, it's like sometimes it plays to a political theater, and we get no resolution. It ends up being fizzling out, kind of like the House investigation, you know, um, and how that kind of fizzled away and becoming more political. So, man, but you're probably mm-hmm. right. It's going to turn into a political thing if, if, if the Dems sweep. It's going to be very political if it's a half sweep, well, not half sweep, but if like if the Dems get the House and they and the Republicans retain the Senate, then we're going to have this like constant gridlock. Yeah, uh, it's just I feel like it's a no win scenario in any. Yeah, any <laughs> completely agree. Any scenario. Um, okay, so let's speaking of political theater. Yeah, uh, we've been we've been mentioning for a couple of weeks. It it really feels like Trump has been ramping up the uh, pardons, and I like producer Matt now has a, a new segment for us. The uh, Trump's pardon party segment. <laughs> Trump's pardon, <laughs> pardon party. Pardon party. So okay. He, he really has. He, Trump has been going crazy with the pardons. He really has. And you know, I I played on the live stream last week a clip of Donald Trump pardoning a boxer with uh, Sly Stallone standing behind Trump, just kind of nodding along as uh, right. Trump did it. it. Yeah. It was really remarkable to watch. And it seems like he's been looking for every single possible opportunity to pardon somebody. And I, I feel like maybe have you noticed this? Have you noticed the pardon party that started from Donald Trump? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I mean, and obviously uh, today, as we uh, record the show, uh, he commuted a sentence uh, of a of a, dr- uh, a nonviolent drug trafficker or something like that. I forget what state it was in. It was it was a uh, something. I think it was like was it Kim Kardashian that went to the president and said, "Hey, could you commute or, or give this person a pardon?" So. Yes, I, th- I think he actually, likes yes, he yes. likes unilateral power. I mean, we've seen yeah. it with the executive orders, and yeah. we and we've and and, I, and I'm not saying that no that. other president has done that. I mean, I mean, we know that other presidents have done that. I I want to be abundantly clear before someone accuses me of like going after Trump here. What I'm trying to trying to say though is he has expressed uh, this this uh, privilege of being able to do this. And here's- I think I think what it is is he's setting the stage. He's getting he's getting us all used to pardons, pardons this, pardons that. So that way, if he has to pardon a Manafort or anybody that he chooses to oh, pardon God. in this whole Russia investigation, it's just one of many people now that he's pardoned. And then the argument will be, well, the president has made it a cornerstone of his administration to pardon as many people that he feel has been wrong. Well, and uh, Paul Manafort is one of many people that the president has the- has pardoned. So right now. He's he's stocking the inventory full of people he's right. pardoned. Well, uh, like an, he's yeah. Well, ahead. I was just going to say there's one there's one danger in doing that, though, is I mean, first off, some of the pardons that he's done. Yes, they have been controversial, like, you know, Joe, the sheriff, Joe down in Arizona. Uh, I know we're going to talk about the most recent one. But if he starts straight up pardoning people from the Russian investigation, that's that's an interesting thing, because first off, a pardon doesn't he erase any kind of guilty plea. Or anything like that. And in basic, you know, with. with, Yeah. 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 So when you start doing that, especially in the in the midst of a a very important investigation, that's that's when I think you're going to get a lot of people. I even on even on the Republican side, they're being like, all right, hold up. I mean, come on. You know, that kind of thing. But I guess we'll see. Right. But we got we got one to talk about for sure. There's a new one. There's a new one. President Trump and his surprise pardon today. And could there now be a presidential pardon spree? Tonight, signs from the White House, several known names could be next. In a tweet on his way to Texas, the president issuing his fifth no pardon to conservative commentator Dinesh D'Souza, who had pleaded guilty to campaign finance violations. And while you might not know his name, you'll know some of the people he has targeted in his tweets. 
The president also signaling Martha Stewart could be next for a pardon, and former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, too. His sentence could be commuted, both of whom appeared on versions of The Apprentice. ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, leading us off tonight. By the way, Chris, President Trump is... Do you, do you think that makes any difference? I mean, it is, it is true that yet yeah, these were people that were on The Apprentice. So these are people oh, that he knows. that's not what it's about at all. No, that no, I know, what, but yeah, he, he I like how... didn't even like Martha Stewart on The Apprentice. Oh, okay. I, I didn't watch, so I, I don't know. No, you just, you can look at his Twitter feed and you can see some of his comments. Uh, he thought that she was destroying The Apprentice and uh, the ratings tanked and he blamed her for all of it. Wow. So okay. none of that. It, it, it is simply taking names that people recognize. It's about getting people that are B-level famous, C-level famous, just like now the people in this Russia investigation, I swear. It's, no, it's, it's a, a setup. It's he, totally, is a master, yeah. he is a master manipulator of the media, and it is about making equivalencies right now. Right. Blagojevich, too, his sentence could be commuted, both of whom appeared on versions of The Apprentice. ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, leading us off tonight. President Trump is flexing one of his biggest powers, the power to pardon considering pardons or commutations for two very high-profile convicts, Martha Stewart and disgraced former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, both with reality TV connections to the president. Blagojevich, who was sentenced to 14 years on corruption charges for allegedly trying to sell the Senate seat vacated by Barack Obama, I'll do anything, right? Legal and ethical and honest. Was a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. So, do you... Do you why, what do you think that why are they pushing this angle so much? Because it seems pretty obvious on its face that it's it's not about the fact that they were involved in the Celebrity Apprentice. That seems clear. Why are they pushing that? Well, I mean, unfortunately or fortunately, it is a common thread. I mean, it is. I mean, I mean, yes, he. he I did. feel like it's lazy. It's like well, lazy, lazy, lazy. It is. Kind it, of a, it, it, it's a lazy yet obvious thing that has to be. Now, I wouldn't probably dwell as much time on it that ABC is doing right here by obviously playing clips from the show. Yeah. Uh, however, they are they are trying to to form the story that yeah, the president knows all these guys. Yeah, the president uh you know was on TV with all these people and and obviously the president also knows that since these people were on a show and and maybe that's the angle that maybe the president's playing here is like you said, you know, he's setting some groundwork with these B-level celebrities and politicians, if you will, and he knows that they have a connection to The Apprentice, and it just kind of goes a, a big full circle, if you will, if that makes any sense. Well, also, one more one more thing I'll add, and I don't have references with me at the moment, so I, I can't sound as educated as I should, but if you look at the prosecutors or the people that, that went after these individuals— Oh, yeah, Comey they, was involved in a couple of them, right? In a couple of them, exactly. Yeah. It's people yeah. that he has a grudge with. And I yeah. think that is more of the connection point. than anything that has to do with, with, with The Apprentice. Right. That's my opinion, though, obviously. No, no, it's a good point. No, very good point. He was eventually fired by Trump on the show, but on Air Force One today, the president said this about him. He's a Democrat. He's not my party. But I thought that he was treated unfairly. He shouldn't have been put in jail. By the a way, Democrat. Uh, first off, by the way, party shouldn't matter when it comes to giving pardons or commuting sentences. It's about analyzing. And you know, see, this is uh, the area that yeah. nobody is giving Trump enough credit. It's happening. You're doing it right now. The chat room is doing it right now. This is what's so brilliant about Trump. This is what he is good at. Is this? He's going to when when it comes down to it, they'll be able to say we pardon Democrats, we pardon Republicans, 
We pardoned politicians. We pardoned average Americans. Racists. We pardoned celebrities. Right. It's the whole spectrum, <laughs> including Democrats. And I, I think this is this is what's brilliant is this this narrative that they are building right now. And ABC is lapping it up. Yeah. And they're they're even juicing it up with with clips of Trump looking like a boss on The Apprentice. Well, yeah. But I mean, I, I will say, though, Chris, the the whole thing, you know, he's he's spinning it up to to act like he's being impartial, but he's really not. And And that and that's. Yeah, and, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and, and, and and that's where it's like he's like, look, see, look, I'm doing it for Democrats and Repo anybody, you know. I but as your good buddy Barry would say, it's about the optics, Chase. That's he's creating right. The optics yeah, around the pardon. Absolutely right. Yes. And Martha Stewart, who served five months in prison after her conviction in 2004 for obstruction of justice and perjury, she did an Apprentice spinoff shortly after getting out of prison. Trump listed as an executive producer. I'm looking for The Apprentice. President said today Stewart was treated unfairly, adding, quote, she used to be my biggest fan in the world. This comes as the president today issued a pardon for Dinesh D'Souza, a controversial conservative writer who admitted making illegal campaign contributions and was sentenced to five years probation, including eight months in a detention facility. Mm, D'Souza, the president said, was treated very unfairly by our government and should have had a quick minor fine. So first off, by the way, treated yeah, unfairly, he pled guilty to a plea deal. He took a deal. It's not like he... That I disagree with on the president. On it is a column now that has been checked off. You got somebody involved yeah, with campaign finance yeah. fraud. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I know. You want more of this? No, actually, okay. I don't think I do. No, now, <laughs> I think I'm good. Now, so so we we talked about other people, right? You know, we talked about you know Democrats, Republicans, people he felt that have been wronged, but he also feels like he can pardon himself. Let's check Ultimately, this. This, that's where this is going, right? It could be. We could have a constitutional crisis, as they say. On his 500th <laughs> day in office, President Trump is claiming that he has, quote, the absolute right to pardon himself. So tonight here, our John Carl pressing the White House on this, asking, does the president plan to use that power to pardon on himself? Today, a defiant President Trump declared himself effectively immune from prosecution, tweeting, I have the absolute right to pardon myself, but why would I do that when I've done nothing wrong? Later, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders refused to rule it out. Thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong and wouldn't have any need for a pardon. But does he absolutely rule out doing that? I mean, does he rule out ever issuing a pardon for himself. Once again, thankfully, the president hasn't done anything wrong and therefore wouldn't need one. The top Republican See, think, on the Senate Judiciary okay. Committee scoffed at This is a plan B to me. Like This isn't the plan A. They're, this isn't their master plan. This isn't how they're going to get out of the whole situation. This is if stuff really goes bad and they have to execute an escape hatch method, this is what they're laying the groundwork nah, for. It will never happen. If it happens... He, he he's impeached there's no way yeah okay <laughs> yeah. no there that, i mean that is really i mean the, he could really he could do it sure it would probably go to the supreme court yes uh or or, or congress would 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 do something and, and you know it 
I I would rather honestly, you know, if if anybody was going to be impeached for any reason, any president, I would want it to go through a a, a process based upon you know the the great crimes and, and and misdemeanors that someone may have performed, not not based on well he's trying to pardon himself. And remember what I said earlier: if you're pardoning you you're, you're pardoning yourself, you're 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 already admitting guilt. Yeah, this is why it's well. So here's the thing. This is why I say it's the escape hatch. It's right. not even like the master plan. It's maybe Plan C, not even Plan B. Right. But it is. It is a total win-win because yeah. if you do need that escape hatch, you now have this entire uh, back catalog of pardons that is cross-party, cross-crime. It is a solid, and he's, he's he's not even done yet, right? So this we're like we're probably midstream right now. And then the, then the other thing is, is like if he never has to use this escape hatch, now he's just the president that pardoned a whole bunch of people that probably weren't treated super great to begin with. Right. And the justice system went a little crazy sometimes. And now, as just part of Trump's legacy, is he pardoned more people than any president before him. And now that's another thing that he can say he did the biggest and the best of. That's and he true. best presidented ever because he pardoned the most people. And it's, it's, so it's such a win-win. There's literally no downside to Trump doing this, as far as I can see it. Now, uh, the only the only real variable here really is Giuliani. <laughs> Giuliani goes out there and just causes chaos. And uh, your good buddy, the judge, the judge, yeah, he has a take on some of that uh, Napolitano or some no, Judge well, Napolitano has a take on some of that Giuliani. Well, we chaos. talked about it when, when 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 by the way when when Giuliani went, what was it ABC News this week and you know yeah. and, and, yep. and, and basically said something that was completely opposite or different. Yeah. And, <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, I, I I think so, but we'll see what the judge says. So Judge Andrew Napolitano joins us now, Fox News Senior Judicial Analyst. Judge, what do you think? I think that the uh, letter was a disgrace and and, and harmful. The January the memo. The, Janu- the oh, January right. oh, memo. Sorry. I don't know how it got we out. Should... Yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah, my bad. Yeah, we yeah, should no probably worries. set up. Set up. Uh, so set this up. memo yeah. he's talking about is one that was released by the legal team that was sent to Mueller and uh, and somebody leaked it. It's it was like, presumably it was, the White House. It was probably, yeah, it was probably Sarah. Sarah yeah. did it. Uh, uh, and <laughs> in there it says that uh, not only uh, can you not uh, come after the president, but I, this whole thing is not going to work for several reasons, which the judge is going to lay out. Now, that was sent back in January. It's come out recently, I think since we've recorded the last episode, and so maybe start this over because that that memo is what the judge is responding right. to. Right. It was here. it was like a twenty or twenty five point memo, basically yes. saying there's no way he could end the investigation if he wants to. He, you know, he can do all these things, and yeah, obviously. Right. And this was the, with the former legal team and that sort of thing. Yeah. So Judge Andrew Napolitano joins us now, Fox News senior judicial analyst. Judge, what do you think? I think that the uh, letter was a disgrace and 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 harmful. The January to the memo. The, Janu- the January memo. I don't know how it got out. I don't know why the White House would have uh, leaked it, as has been suggested, mm-hmm. because it shows a really a sophomoric view of the law. They cited the wrong statute, and they interpreted the wrong uh, the wrong opinion. They interpreted a, an appeals court opinion rather than the Supreme Court. They're basically saying two things: the president can't commit obstruction of justice. Because he can order anybody prosecuted, he can stop any prosecution, he can fire anybody he wants. He can, but if he does so for a corrupt purpose, that would be the definition of of obstruction of justice. They forgot that part. Second argument they make is that he can interfere with an FBI investigation. That's not obstruction of justice. They forgot that the statute they cited was amended in 2002 
you know, 16 years ago to say that the interference with an FBI investigation intended to produce evidence is obstruction. For the president of the United States. I mean, you would think that he would have a really good legal team. He doesn't have it this is legal difficult team for anymore. Me to criti- but now he has Rudy Giuliani and Jay Sekulow. It is difficult for me to criticize them because I know them all personally and have interacted with many of them. Jay here and the others in other sure. environments. Awkward. Yeah, I know. It's, but he, I mean, he's... He's the judge. He's breaking it down legally, and if they're not yeah. citing the right, it's just, right yeah, sources yeah. and right case law, you're you're kind of digging yourself your own hole there. They're yeah. not serving him well when they needlessly show their cards, when they make arguments like he can impeach himself. Why even raise that issue? And and Rudy Giuliani, who was he could a pardon br- himself, correct, a brilliant prosecutor, suggesting that the president could have ordered James Comey to be shot in the Oval Office, and that he could not be prosecuted for that, that is absurd and is a violation of the law. He could be arrested, charged, indicted, released, tried after he leaves the White House, but no way would any law enforcement agency allow a murder or an attempted murder to go uncharged because the person behind it was the president. What's, and what's Giuliani your recommendation? knows that. Uh, what's your recommendation? I mean, should he fire Rudy Giuliani for that? I don't know, because they have a relationship with which I'm unfamiliar. Perhaps the president wants Rudy causing this chaos. Ding, 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 double ding, triple ding. That's absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I mean, the judge is spot on. This is a great clip because, again, I go back to my my initial thing. Is, is this some uh, what I said about uh, a Manafort? Is this something that an innocent guy does? It's like, wouldn't you want to just. Like, yeah, there's an investigation, but I'm concentrated on the country right now. We need to do jobs, taxes, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's just like. But he is causing chaos and he's causing people like you and me and our colleagues here and elsewhere to be talking about these absurd off the wall things like can the president pardon himself? Why would the president Um, want anybody discussing the presidency? And the president tweeted one tweet about that, talking about, you know, how well he feels that he's got so much accomplished. But he did, you know, probably nine or ten over the weekend about all of this. The president has much of which to be proud on his fifth on his 500th day in office. But whether or not he should pardon himself is not among them. And most respectfully, if Bob Mueller's office is unconstitutional, why did you sanction the Russians that he indicted? And why are your lawyers interacting with an unconstitutional entity? <laughs> I don't know what, the, what his answer would be. Good argument. Yeah. Uh, just- you know, that, that, that awkward feeling when you know the boss is watching, you know? Well, what, it, what, well and, you know, he's he, but you know what? Good on the judge for sticking yeah, to, that takes to legal. Fault it does. Trump is Trump is literally watching. Yes. And you know he can tell because when he says things like most respectfully, uh, and what would be your advice be when she asks him, they're 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 asking him to advise the president on national television. Right. Uh, which is remarkable and something that I think we just gloss over because right. we've gotten so used to it. But yeah. it is truly remarkable. I really liked Cruz's uh, response on this whole thing. So I don't know if you heard this. <laughs> he, had, he had a really profound response. I'm sorry. On, uh, you're, you're making me laugh already because I already know this. I, yeah, okay. I saw don't, it a lot. Don't spoil it. I know. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Senator, the president says he can pardon himself. Would you agree with that? That is not a constitutional issue I've studied, so uh, I will withhold judgment at this point. 
by the way. Now, you might have <laughs> thought that, that we had made a mistake there Wait, because there was yeah. all this noise of footsteps. That was Senator Ted Cruz waiting a full 18 seconds before telling reporters he wasn't sure if the president could pardon himself. <laughs> you know, 18 <laughs> seconds never feels any just it just feels oh, so long and, when it's in a podcast or it's on the air. And you know what the worst thing about that was? He's not telling the truth because uh, a handful of years ago, I think it might have been uh, 2014, if I remember right, uh, he uh, actually uh, did some uh, studying in case law because at the time, obviously, Obama was the president. Uh, and, you know, there were some abuses or, you know, things that were happening. No, 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 no. I know. It's true. It's true. Hey. Uh, so he, he obviously knows the answer, but he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus, the president. MSNBC, thanks for watching MSNBC on YouTube. If you want to keep up to date with the videos we're putting out, you can click what? subscribe just me. below me or click over on this <laughs> list. That's you. Other videos. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chase. That's I'm sorry, right, buddy. Yeah, I just, yeah, I completely, I, yeah, I just, I just think it's, yeah. I think the whole situation is very hilarious. Very comical. It's, it's very, it is very comical. And I just thought that would be the perfect way to end it is because Cruz is just, uh, you know, he's just totally graced under pressure with that whole thing. Uh, but, you know, it is almost time to get to the high note, buddy. It is. But before, before we, we jump into the high note, Chris, I would like to jump into the sack, if that's okay with oh, you. Oh, let's do it. I would like to jump into the, the, the Club 33 sack, sack the lies because that was my theme this week i'm tired of all these lies on all accounts just can we just get back to truth but anyway we got a couple of club 33 years chiming in and robin monks says hey microsoft has bought github do you guys believe the hype that microsoft is now an open source friendly company now i've gotten to watch a lot of excited media not really have any idea what github is and why it's valuable this week so for me, you know, we, we've seen Microsoft do a pivot, if you will, starting actually a couple of years ago. And I think it kind of culminates with Satya Nadella, you know, taking over and, and trying to maybe branch out and expand. And they included a lot of, uh, you know, Linux style shortcuts, if you will, you know, um, in Windows 10. And I, I think it's an OK thing. I don't know how you feel, obviously, Chris, because, you know, Mr. Open Source here. But what, what do you think, man? Well, I wouldn't say GitHub. See, I think it's a common mistake. So GitHub was a free service, but it wasn't actually open source. Okay. GitLab, right. GitLab, based around the same protocol and all that, is open source. GitHub was a commercial entity. You know, they wanted to be one of the big players. You know, and they're a $300 million company. They they just were never going to crack the top five tech companies. Somebody was going to eventually buy them. And uh, I don't know whose track record is better right now in that area other than Microsoft. Uh, Google was the second ten contender, and Microsoft outbid them, and... Uh, I don't know, maybe it's the Washington in me, but I'm kind of glad it was Microsoft and not Google. I feel like perhaps they'll be better stewards. Yes. Michael writes in and says, hey, guys, forgive me. It's been a while and you may have discussed this, but I wanted to get some thoughts on the recent quote talk about fake news hosted by the Council on Foreign Relations, namely Richard Stingle's comments at the very end on propaganda, followed by not answering the final question. Uh, here's a link. It's a pretty interesting link. But if you don't have time, skip to one hour, 15 minutes, 20 seconds. Unfortunately, I don't have the technical capability to do that. Where Fuck the EU. Doing that. Do you know anything about this? Uh, I'm not Chris? actually fully, tr I'm not fully tracking, no, but I'll try to look into it after the show. All right. Remember, if you guys want to be a part of Club 33, head on over to patreon.com slash unfiltered. Don't forget, you guys, there's a number of you out there that 
probably, you know, you're on autopilot, you listen to the show, but you haven't checked your credit card details lately, make sure you do that because unfortunately this past month we haven't picked up anybody and actually we're kind of losing because of that. So don't forget to check your cards. Much appreciated yeah. if you do. Yeah, I think we're still about 80. They're declining right now. So we, if you, our numbers are inflated a bit by that. And this week we did not pick up any new patrons. Oh, uh, so we could definitely use your help because, you know, we're doing the show on the road. We're working harder than ever for you guys. Yes. So we definitely, uh, we really appreciate the support at patreon.com slash unfiltered. Now, one of the things we've, we've been doing this show since 2012. And one of the things that I think we've definitely realized is there is a bit of uh, there's an ebb and flow to our Patreon based on the news, your interest in the news, and how dedicated you are to the show that week. Now you have our we have our base and our existing patrons who are always super dedicated, but I'm talking about like the influx of the newbies gives us kind of an idea of the baseline interest in the show that week, and when the baseline drops to zero, it's usually an indication that we can let off the gas pedal a little bit and uh, take a breather and let you guys catch up. And so we're going to take next week off. It kind of is a good time anyways because I'm going to be working super hard at Linux Academy next week. Chase is going to be rebuilding the studio after an epic weekend, and it gives producer Matt a chance to just slow down for one week just and a breathe. little bit. And still, <laughs> still be monitoring. Yeah, yes. and breathe. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we will be off the air next week. <clears throat> and then um, potentially, depending on, on the way things go, the week after, and what I mean when I say the way things go, I mean like my my drive home and all and the news and all those kinds of things. If it's a really really slow news week or something like that, and I'm like in the peak drive home, we may punt the second week as well, which would be our which would be kind of a shame because that's our last road show. But if news happens or we get a swelling of support, uh, I think that'd be a pretty good signal indicator that we should do it one last road show, um, and so. Right now, our plan is to be gone next week, but back the week after with the potential to be gone that week, just kind of depending on how things go. Right. But the core thing to remember is if you just if you just want to get every single episode whenever they're released, the best place would be to go to our website yep. because we have the RSS subscriptions there, unfilter.show, and you can just subscribe and get the show whenever we do it. And when we do it live, I'm posting it for our patrons, for everyone, at patreon.com slash unfilter, even if you're not a patron. You can watch the live shows when we do them. I post. I try to post them whenever I, when, whenever YouTube allows me. So on filter.show slash subscribe to subscribe to the show. But that is the kind of the admin for this week is we'll be gone next week. There is a 50-50 chance on the week after. But generally, whenever we take a week off, something massive happens. And it, it just means we have to come back, which is always kind of our our guarantee is like if something really something really big develops, you know, we make the time to come back and do the show. But right now, we're going to be gone next week, potentially the week after, on filter.show slash subscribe to get it every single week or whenever we do release if we take a week off. Nice. Yeah, buddy? Yeah, All buddy. Right. Sounds good to me. Are you ready? All right. Mommy needs a joint. <laughs> yes. So let's do it. It's time to end the show on a high note. And unfortunately, we'll start with some kind yeah, of bad news. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got to cover. I mean, these yes. things happen. Yes. A Georgia couple who say that they gave their son marijuana to treat his seizures is now fighting to regain custody of him. Matthew and Susanna Brill are charged with reckless conduct and they could face jail time. The state took custody of their 15-year-old son David in April when he tested positive for marijuana. Omar Villafranca spoke with the Brills who say pot is the only thing that helped their son. For our son, it was a miracle for him. Matthew and Susanna Brill say their 15-year-old son David went from having up to 10 seizures a day to being seizure-free for 71 days after he began smoking marijuana. 
Have you ever had 71 days where he didn't have a seizure? Never. Currently, medical marijuana is legal in 29 states and Washington, D.C. Nine states and D.C. allow for legal recreational marijuana. But Georgia has some of the strictest marijuana laws in the country. Physicians are not allowed to prescribe marijuana for medical use, and it is illegal to sell or possess it. Can I say one thing real quick? You know, if I was the parents, man, you know, for my kid, and I know moving and uprooting is very difficult to do. But gosh, man, I mean, I would have moved to Colorado or Florida. You know, or, I mean, I, if they're in know, Georgia, I would just drop the border. I, you know? I completely agree. But here's, I bet you what happened. And this is me kind of guessing a bit, but they get into, they kind of hint to it in the clip here in a minute. Uh, you know, uh, you know, even when it was illegal here in Washington, so many people I worked with smoked pot. Like right. so many people smoked yeah. pot. Like it was a, I would say maybe one in four. I don't know. So that's maybe a rough guess, but. A lot of people before it was legal were smoking pot. And yeah. so it's it's almost commonplace. It's just one step outside of commonplace. Yeah. I just know that there and, are some states in the South that are really hardcore sure, yeah. about this. But, pe- but people are still smoking pot down there, yeah, right? Like it's it's maybe true. not as common, but I bet you it's still it's 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 not too uncommon. Right. And so, you know, you just kind of start doing something that isn't all of that outside the mainstream. Right. And then somebody rats you out. Right, because uh, somebody had to tell. Because it's not like the parents ratted themselves. Yeah, out. It's yeah, not it's like not the like they're advertising them, or anything. Yeah, like they didn't that. say, "Hey, come test my kid." Right. right, somebody had to rat them out, and they maybe never had a chance to move out of there. I mean, you could argue they should have moved out of there before they started, but it's you know, getting a little pot here and there isn't that far outside the mainstream. It's not like you're in some sort of like, you know, drug dealing industry all of a sudden. So right. I, I could kind of understand it. Yeah. But the law does allow those with the state-issued medical card to possess low THC oil. That the only way he could get a uh, medical card would be a six-year waiting list. So the Brills say, frustrated with traditional prescription medication, they took matters into their own hands. You're having to buy it illegally. Yes. Matthew Brill says he smoked the marijuana first to make sure it was okay before giving <laughs> it to what a nice dad. <laughs> you know, I actually think that I think all parents should have to take the the any kind of uh, any kind of medication that alters their state of mind or anything like that. Uh, I was prescribed uh, Ritalin and, and, and derivatives of it as a child for ADHD quite a bit from from, you know, an early age to like high school until I just stopped taking it. Right. Um, and I, I don't think I, I never I, I never once heard the doctor describe what coming off of Ritalin felt like. My parents, I don't think, had any idea what it felt like for me to be stoned on on speed. And I I think it would be... I Honestly, if they wanted to give my kid that stuff, I think I would take one of the pills. And I think I would want to know what it felt like before I asked my kid to do it. Right. And I, I mean, it, I you know, I kind of understand why he would do it. I really, I really do. Like, yeah. how dangerous no, I, is this? Because they don't, people don't have access, and there's no, there's no education about it. Right. It's all hearsay and stuff you read on the internet, and people, yeah. t- your friends tell you. Yeah, I agree completely. With steps on, you guys got arrested. Yes. You both go to jail for six days. The Brills were charged with reckless conduct after someone alerted the Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services. On April 20th, David was removed from the Brills custody. That day, he had a seizure and had to be rushed to a hospital. How of is course. David doing? Oh god, man, if I was a parents, I would Could you imagine uh, oh. they take your kid from you and he starts having seizures after after almost 80 days of no seizures. <laughs> oh. 
Man. When I talked to him tonight, the 10-minute phone call I was allowed to have with him, he's on the verge of going in a seizure. David is currently living in a group home about 60 miles from his parents. The Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services said in a statement, case managers continue to work with the parents so the family can be restored as quickly as possible. They are facing real criminal charges. Rachel Kugel is a criminal defense attorney. I think even if they beat the, um, the criminal case, they still are definitely in hot water with regard to Child Protective Services. In a statement, the Twiggs County Sheriff defended the charges against the Brills, saying it is my duty to enforce state law. The Brills say oh. they understand that, but they were just trying to help their son. Do you consider yourselves criminals? No. I'm a father that did whatever it took to make sure my son was okay. Omar Villafranca for CBS This Morning, Twiggs County, Georgia. It's a complicated story. Very complicated. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Sorry, it's Nora. Not. No. And what's, what's, what's ridiculous about this is uh, it, the whole concept that the state even gets involved in this is just, gosh, it's scary to me as a parent. It really pushes on my buttons. I have, I have three kids that I miss so much right now while I'm on this trip, and the the idea that somebody would come and take them from me because of something I think I'm doing that improves their lives. Like if my one of my kids was having seizures and that stopped <sighs> them from having seizures, yeah. how could I not give them access to that? Right. Especially if there was very little other side effects. Oh, uh, man, it really pushes my buttons. So the yeah. reason why we play clips like this in the show, other than to get you know everybody thinking about this kind of stuff and, and maybe getting the conversation started more, is this is a people's history. Unfilter is a people's history. It is. It's not what CNN. It's not what Fox News. It's not what RT. It's not what Senator Dianne Feinstein wants you to believe about what's happening. It is a people's version. There's no advertiser. There's no motive other than trying to make our patrons happy. It's a people's history. So that's why we play clips like that, because keep now what we just heard in mind as we now hear to buy some magical line by from land that we stole from natives and then drew a line on a map. When you cross that magical line, everything is changing. Like uh, most Americans over the last 10 years, people's opinion on this issue have evolved. And I found myself, uh, like any other American, my position evolving over the years. Uh, but I never really thought much about it until Kevin and I began conversations uh, you know, four or five, six months ago. And I thought to myself, you know, uh, this might be something that I could lend my voice to that makes you know. sense. You know, I just um, thought about the fact it that you're minute. joining the board. Do you recognize who this is? Uh, well, yeah, of course. This is former House Speaker, Mr. John Boner. Yeah, Rainer. a Republican. 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 That's yeah, right, who is Ohio. now, he's now working for a group who is uh, in one part lobbyist and also in the in getting into other aspects of the cannabis industry, wants to make a lot of money. And now he's working for them to push pro-cannabis legislation. And... I, this is this I, this is a big 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 sea shift because he's considered to be one of the good old Republicans. I mean, this is I think a massive shift. So here, play a little bit more of, of Boner here. Does that mean now you see a path in which either state regulations spread like wildfire, or the federal level begins to embrace this instead of reject it? Well, 29 states have had a vote, either a referendum or their state legislature voted to legalize the use of cannabis in some form. Uh, but there's a big conflict with the federal law where it's a Schedule One narcotic. Congress over the last couple of years has, has pretty much stopped any real enforcement of that federally funded institutions cannot touch this, can't do research, 
Most every university takes federal funds. They don't. They don't like anywhere close to it. Uh, you got the banking system uh, that is scared to death to take this money. So there's a lot of cash rolling around, and so uh, uh, it's time for the federal government to take another look at this. And uh, and I think, <laughs> AKA makes money off of this. God bless him. God bless him. Now, you know, as a politician, he was completely oblivious to all this obvious information. Now, as a hired political gun to use as a figure piece, he's been awoke to all of this. All of a sudden, it just is obvious to him. But Chris, it's funny. But you know that it's also because he's no longer getting those, uh, I mean, maybe alleged pharmaceutical checks. I'm just saying, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. exactly... It's, it's yeah. different people are paying him now. Yeah, and right. you can literally see him just change his colors immediately. Uh, and it's, it's just... It's, 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 it's substantial to watch it because it's so... Um, it's so, like... Uh, it, you could use this as a textbook example of a politician while they're in office saying one thing and then flipping when they get paid by a different, different interest once and saying a different thing once they're out, once they're outside of office like this is a prime example we have it right here on the show it's just it's just scrumptious chase i love oh, it i love man, it no, i no. just he's such a he's such a boner um <laughs> moving on though let's talk about what's happening just a month away from now that's right 5:30 opening day for recreational marijuana sales in massachusetts is one month away from today yeah but will you really be able to go pot shopping on july 1st wbz's john keller spoke with the chair of the cannabis control commission he joins us with more on that john yeah, Lisa, Liam, there are 38 applicants for pot stores, labs, and other related services awaiting final approval from city and town governments. But the man overseeing the State Cannabis Commission says it's possible none of them will be ready to go by July 1st, as the new pot law has been slow to get on a roll. Oh, I get it? A roll. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so there's delays. We don't really need to watch the rest Fair of it. That's just how it goes. But... In November, folks in Michigan could have a big opportunity to change the laws. Recreational marijuana could become a reality in the state of Michigan sooner than later. Just a few days ago on Thursday, the State Board of Canvassers certified petition language to put the issue on the November ballot. Now here to break down what this proposal is yeah, saying it. and break it down it all out for us is right, yeah, yeah we don't need them. Yeah, we don't need them. Yeah, but you sir. get it, right? Yeah, in November, yeah. Michigan's going to have a chance to uh, vote on legalizing it. I think that's kind of big news. So while we have stories of, of this horrible uh, situation where the state comes in and separates parent from child, we also have more momentum on the other side where it's legalizing very fast. And soon people are going to have this crazy concept. Get, get ready for this. Yeah. They're going to have the ability to choose what they put in their own body that doesn't affect anyone else. And they get to choose that without going to jail. That's what's coming soon to more and more states. You it's know, already in 29 of them. Personal choice, man. And, and you know, and it's, it's, it's for those parents that, you know, where traditional medicine may have failed or they want to be more natural. They have options. Yeah. And, you know, what's remarkable yeah. when we started tracking the high note on this show, there was one state that legalized it recreationally. One state when we started tracking this. Yes. Isn't that something? So it really has. It really is shifting. It really is changing. Yeah, you know. So, and, and I made a red book prediction. I think a year or two ago, where it would be decreased in schedule. I, you know, obviously our political climate is is way too polarizing for that to happen right now. But maybe, hopefully, in our lifetimes, it, it will. Uh, I mean, just for kids. I mean, it, Chris, for the kids. For, yeah, think for of the, the children, Chase. Just of, think of the children. Think of the kids. See, 
Hey, give a give give people a little a little info about if they want to track what you're doing uh, this weekend because perhaps they want to take a break from all of the Linux shenanigans going on over at JB Live and they want a little pinball shenanigans. Right. If you are interested in the great uh, hobby that is known as pinball, and it's not just a hobby; it's really a sport, a recreational activity. There's so many cool things about it. I will be doing some live streaming coverage all weekend, Friday and Saturday, at the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show in Tacoma, Washington. If you want to check it out, head on over to twitch.tv slash geekgamertv. You can also follow me on the Twitter at Newness and also at geekgamertv. It's going to be great fun, but especially Friday night, so Friday the 8th at 7 p.m., tune into the Twitch stream because you'll see me giving a presentation of two champions playing each other and duking it out. So it's going to be loads of fun. But wow. if, but if you're not interested in pinball and you want to get back to the open source stuff and you want to know sure. what Chris is doing next sure. week, what what do you got going on, man? Hey, I'm going to be this weekend. I'm going to be at Texas Linux Fest. And uh, if you're in the Texas area and want to find me, I'll be at the Linux Academy booth uh, a lot during the weekend. And you can grab me on Telegram, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash Texas. If you're at home and watch something live, catch out Noah's, catch Noah's live streams from self at jblive.tv. It's going to be epic. Oh, man. Well, you guys, thank you for joining us once again for these road editions. It's been loads of fun. Remember, next week we are off, but we should probably be back here the week after that, right? I think so. All right. You guys, have a great week. Have a great two weeks. And we will see yeah. you guys again very, very soon. Until then. Two weeks. Two See weeks. See you guys in two weeks. Bye.